Memphis Depay, Virgil van Dijk, Michael van Gerwen, Max Verstappen. It just fits. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. I was very quickly running out of Dutch elite sporting athletes there as the list came down. I was like, you just about got there. Hey, everybody. Um, welcome to episode 321 of uh, Motorsport 101. I'm your friend and neighbor host, Trey Harrison. Hope you guys are doing all right. Um, but uh, yeah, in this episode, we'll be talking all about the Dutch Grand Prix and the least surprising, surprising silly season you could ever possibly imagine in the next 45 minutes or so. But uh, with me, as always, first up, representing the orange. Very nicely, on brand of the T-shirt, King. Uh, good to see you. How's it going? It's going well, and just for just for balance, um, Anemic van Anemic Anemic van Vluten, Mariana Voss. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's let's not forget the female Dutch athletes. No, that's a very valid point. Oh, that's yeah. my bad. <laughs> let's uh, let's not forget either. Um, we got some uh, we got some uh, great baseball players from the Netherlands too. Oh, that's a good point. Oh, yeah. yeah that's no. a good point. That's a good point as well. RJ, good to see you, man. How's it going? Uh, it's going. It, it's going. <laughs> oh, what, a, what, a, what a weekend. What a weekend. I hope it was worth the wait for everybody. I hope I hope this Dutch Grand Prix uh, gave us a valuable lesson in the importance of being able to get to anywhere you need to go by way of walking, biking, taking train. You, you don't need a car. You, you don't need a car as much as you need to, unless you do. Uh, as a guy that's, that's lived in London for his entire life with one of the best public transport systems in the world, I completely agree. Don't need cars. Terrible. Uh, yeah. as, as, car as, bad, train good. Train good. <laughs> Train good, train good. We we say on a carbonated podcast. Anyway, Cam Buckley, good to see you down there. Uh, how's it going? You see what what what's just what's just happened here is that Top Gear bit where all we ended up proving is that the car is a pointless endeavor. Trains are still the future. <laughs> uh, it's like it's like you wanted a bicycle. Um, you 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 finished second in a boat, and it's just like oh. Pfft. It's just like, yeah, yeah, that was it. For anybody who was wondering, uh, uh, we did talk about this before the show, talk about before the show. Uh, King uh, did not go to Atlanta for uh, for a basket of lemon pepper wings (laughs) without seeing family and nothing else. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. We we cannot call him Lemon Pepper King. Damn it. I, I was so looking forward to that. Like, like, I think we mentioned it in the pre-show. That I, I, I was, I, I think King was going for cinnamon pepper wings, but then he ran away when he found that they cost sixty bucks a portion. Um, <laughs> so, this is no, a that's in certain establishments that are that are only populated after night. But by, 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 by basketball players, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, so, Dre, what are we talking about today on this fine, divisible by three doing it for Dale podcast? Oh, it's, it's a good number, isn't it? Um, yeah, like I said, Dutch Grand Prix at Zandvoort, first Dutch Grand Prix in over 30 years, and some Dutch-Belgian guy won it. I, 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 we, I, I'm not sure if it was obvious enough, given we were coated in a sea of orange smoke. Um, by the time we got to the penultimate lap, um, <laughs> 
due, due to the uh, celebrations and whatnot. We'll be talking all about that. We'll be talking how it ended up being two against one for Max in, uh, in at Zandvoort and still coming out on top. Um, the teams in um, both certain situations. And I want to talk about how the crowd themselves reacted because that is always one that will get people talking on the interwebs. Good for the old SEO. So we'll be talking about that as well. We'll also be going into silly season and, uh, well... It all went down on Monday. Um, the, the last three days has been a like it's like silly season season in a sense. Um, we had Valtteri Bottas confirmed that Alfa Romeo on Monday. On Tuesday, we had George Russell confirmed that Mercedes, and then today, as we record this on September eighth, Alex Albon confirmed that Williams alongside Nicholas Latifi. Um, Alexander Albon is Alexander all back. Yes, Albon, Albac. We like to hear that. And, uh, yeah, I really should have started singing that to the infamous Craig David song, but uh, I missed an opportunity on that one. Um, but, uh, yeah, all of that will be talked about as well in the next 45 minutes or so. But in the meantime, there are some places you can find us. We are on youtube.com forward slash where the sport 101. If you're watching us on there, hi, hit the like bell, hit, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, bell, all of that good stuff. Get notifications when our new content goes up. We're on facebook.com forward slash where the sport 101. We're on Twitter. And motorsport underscore 101. If you want to follow our personal handles, you can on the screen now. If you want, if you're listening audio wise, they're at Harrison 101 HD, at RJ O'Connell, at uh, C Buckley 917, and at Ryan Eric King. Um, you can check us out about our website, motorsport101.com. I've been pretty busy over there writing wise, personally. There's, the blog section's got two new written articles up in the sure. last couple of days. Uh, one talking about the aforementioned George Russell move to Mercedes, um, and just the the changing tide of, uh, of Formula One and, and the grid, the makeup, young drivers, etc. And another controversial one that came up uh, on two wheels this past weekend. Not quite enough time to get it into this week's episode, but if you've been watching World Superbikes, my God, um, a, uh, a track limits warning heard around the world as a race result was reversed and all of a sudden... Everybody hates Jonathan Ray now. So uh, that was fun. Um, I wrote about that as well. It, uh, I compared it to an old school cricketing rule called the man cat. If you're a cricket fan, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about on that one. Jonathan Ray since versus when did Kawas- Since when did Kawasaki get bought out by Petty Enterprises? <laughs> wow. since, since they started repainting the part of Magni Call Green. You know, apparently it causes problems. Who, who'd have thunk it? So, I yeah, think that's just uh, brand synergy. Yeah, I wrote a piece about that. Jonathan Ray versus the Spirit of the Rules on the website section, motorsport101.com. Check the blog tier for that. Um, so if you, if you want to check that out as We're well. We're ourselves that we haven't been following super bikes as hard as we should be this year. Oh, it's, 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 it's good. It's good. Jonathan Ray's had, got real competition. We, mm. We've had a fight, and unlike when Bautista was challenging for the title, he hasn't crashed as many times as he won in a row. It's a, it's a challenge. <laughs> no, it's a challenge not from the seller, not even from the middle shelf. Folks, this challenge is from the top rack. Yes. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Yeah, there is currently six points between Jonathan Ray and Top Rack Razgatioglu in that championship. So do check it out if you haven't already. Um, so all that on the website, as well as our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Five bucks gets you early access to all of our audio episodes. You can upgrade to 10 for the video version. Uh, and you get access to the support of our Discord server where you can listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded. So, without further ado, let's get into the Dutch Grand Prix at Zandvoort. 
It was always going to be an intense first Grand Prix at home for Max at Zandvoort, but he took everything thrown at him to take the win in front of a sea of 60,000 orange-laden Dutch fans. If you could see them amongst all the smoking flares, of course. He narrowly qualified on pole ahead of Lewis Hamilton, despite DRS issues, and took control early on with an exceptional opening lap, gaining a 1.9 second lead by the time he saw the control line again. Merckx had two chances to take the lead, but botched a slow first stop for Lewis, followed by not taking the chance for a second undercut attempt when the long-running Bottas was briefly keeping Max behind him. Hamilton tried to make gains through the traffic, but Verstappen managed his race perfectly to take his 17th career win, the most of any F1 non-champion ever. I think he just passed Sterling Moss on that count with win number 17, which is a ridiculous even think about. His teammate Sergio Perez started from pit lane after a poor qualifying session and a replaced battery and would go on to finish in eighth. Um, so, gentlemen... Uh, First, you've got to go from the top. Max Verstappen having both Mercedes as genuine viable threats in this race. Something we haven't, something we haven't actually said very much this season um, in general. Hi, Valtteri. Nice of you to join us. Um, but was this another missed opportunity for Merckx, or was Max just that good? Uh, I tend to lean towards the latter. I mean... Pole by, I think, 38, uh, by a little under four hundredths of a second, despite DRS problems on his final lap. It opened, but not all the way. That opening lap. He hit the Vettel 2013 button on his steering wheel. He had a second lead out of, like, turn three. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing about Zamfort. We'll get into a second, because, like, overtaking is at a super premium. They marked up the prices of these overtakes around here. Uh, oh, once yeah. he got ahead, all, the only way he was going to end up losing this race is if Valtteri Bottas did get back. To, and, to their, and to his credit, Bottas did back Max Verstappen up a little bit into Lewis Hamilton, uh, but there just wasn't enough of it, a difference of pace. For it Hamilton didn't matter, but by the time... By the time they tried to do the pincer, the, uh, the pincer movement on Max, Bottas's tires were so spent that it just didn't matter. Max got by him, and within a lap, Lewis was out of DRS again. Yeah, it didn't help the Bottas lost time after the stop as well. Getting out of the way of a Sebastian Vettel spin, of all things. Um, it was just not Bottas's day after a really strong first 30 laps from the guy, actually. He had a really, that was probably the best Bottas has looked all season in the first 30 laps or so of that race, trying the one stopper, and it just didn't, like, the timing just didn't quite work out. And I think, in my humble opinion, I think Merck's kept Valtteri out one lap too long. Um, I, and I think the extra lap was what really brought Max into play. And then that's what forced the overtake. And I'm not sure it would have mattered in the end, but it certainly didn't help. If they could find a way to get Lewis out in front, then maybe forcing Verstappen to maybe go for a pass on track would have been the way to go. Yeah. Um, I, the undercut think- was definitely worth two to three seconds around here. There was, it Absolutely a, a chance of an overcut, but then Merck's Hamilton's first stop was 3.6 seconds, and then, you know, Max's was 2.4, and then that, that pretty much killed any chance of, of Lewis coming out in front after the first stop, and that was, that was the end of it, really. Like, they, they, that, they tried, that was the but... thing, like, uh, back, back at the start of the season, like, Red Bull didn't seem to have enough confidence in their driver or their car to match Mercedes blow for blow strategically. 
They had enough margin on Sunday where they could just pit whenever Mercedes pit and still come out ahead. They had enough gap on track. They had enough pace in the car. And uh, despite multiple pit stops and multiple attempts to try running him down at the end or trying to undercut him, trying to pincer him, everything Mercedes tried was easily countered. I still can't believe Red Bull has twice as many wins as Mercedes this season. It's weird in this day and age, uh, especially <laughs> with, with that win, Verstappen becomes uh, the winningest driver in a single season that isn't in a Mercedes. Yeah. No matter what that, happens that, that, for that, the rest of this year, that's the most successful season by someone not in a Merc in the V6 Turbo <laughs> Hybrid era. God, yeah, because Vettel had five, I think, in his best season um, mm-hmm. at Ferrari in a non-Mercedes context. So, yeah, that's his sixth win of the year already, and we still have a bucket load of Grand Prix to go, assuming everything works out, even with COVID and whatnot. But no, like, like, I, like I said, they tried the undercut. It didn't work. And I, my favorite part of that race was when, in their second stint, they, like... It's like Red Bull almost saw the Hamilton second undercut attempt coming because they told Max, go like hell for four or five laps. And then in the middle of that four to five lap window, Hamilton comes in the pits and I'm like, yeah, Red Bull saw it coming. Um, and yeah, like Red Bull were just on point with Verstappen's car all, all, all weekend long. It all, it never really looked like Verstappen was going to lose, like at any real no. point in that race. Um, and. No, with the start he got, I mean, I keep going back to that opening lap, and I cannot believe the poise and confidence that Max showed to just hammer the car on ice-cold tires that hard that early on to pull that gap. And Mm. it feels like Mercedes, uh, Mercedes operationally, isn't operating well right now because they can't just flip a flip a, a switch and go decide to win a race. No, that, they've that's got what someone who can counter. Like. Yeah, um, and I mean, I want to go into that with the next point I wanted to ask as well. We'll, we'll segue into this one quite nicely because this was not a perfect weekend from Red Bull. If anything, they still came out of it the loser in, in terms in terms of points scored because Sergio Perez had a bad qualifying session followed by a pit lane start, and then was only able to come back to eighth. I mean, okay, not a bad day at the office by any stretch in the race, but eighth is still... He needs to learn how to qualify that car, because he's plenty fast in the race. Mm. Race pace is not the problem. It never has been with Sergio Perez. Oh, no. But the fact that he's never been the most brilliant qualifier is only being made worse by needing to be in the fight. On another weekend, so, maybe the pincer movement works. Yeah. Yeah, because so, it would have played out completely differently if, say, Perez just made Q3. If he qualified 10th. Or 5th. Like, yeah. if he just qualified 10th, he would have been easily able to finish 4th. Yeah, because yeah. The, the, the the time difference between the top three and then fourth place Pierre Gasly, which we'll get they to. They lapped everyone. Then, yeah, they, they lapped, lapped everybody the whole field else. except for the podium. Yeah, like, they left everybody else on track, and I think Gasly, before the last Mercedes pit stops to go for the fastest lap at the end of the race, it was something like 50 seconds, two-thirds of a lap. They were so much faster than everybody else. Um, almost a second a lap in, in the context of the field. Some of the bigger 
midfield hitters we associated did not have particularly great weekends. Again, we'll get to that briefly. But with errors on both sides, fellas, regarding Mercedes, maybe from a strategic standpoint, as well as Red Bull, maybe from a driving standpoint with Perez, which team do you have the more confidence in right now? Because neither team is, is firing at full cylinders at the moment in my Red opinion. Bull. Yeah, Red Bull. It's, it's in the balls in Red Bull's court. A bad weekend for Red Bull still means like second place for Max Verstappen. Uh-huh. Like you can't count. Well, that. well, that's well, that's the thing is, is that Max's only bad days this year have come as a result of outside factors. Let's call them mm-hmm. um, outside the driver's seat. Even if he just finishes second in Silverstone, he still has a healthy points gap in the championship. Yeah. Instead of, you know, being pitched into a uh, quite large crash. Because mm. Mercedes, mm. Mercedes seems... <sighs> How, what would be the right word? It's like they're not used to flustered. actually being in a championship fight. They're flustered. Yeah. They fl- they're flustered because they can't just decide to go win a race. They can't just decide, all right... Turn the car up to max. Go eight tenths clear of the field at will. Yeah, it's been, not they, like yeah, and it's not like 2017 or 2018 when no matter how bad Mercedes was strategically, Ferrari was always a hell of a lot worse. No kidding. I'm sorry, no, Dre. It's, no, 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 taken. Uh, you know, I, I will take my L's with with good grace on that one. It was a painful time to be a Ferrari and a Sebastian Vettel fan. Point is, mm. is that no, I, I, it's hard not to disagree with that. Max has been for me the best driver in the sport this season. He's very, very rarely had a bad day, and even any mistakes he has made has largely been minor. Like in Bahrain, for example, it cost him you know seven points, but you're not losing too much sleep over a second place. Um, you know, Perez is not firing on full cylinders. He needs to be um, in the context of this title race because they did, no matter which way you slice it, um, they lost six points to Mercedes this weekend in the constructors. And that's the title that pays money. Um, you know, it was a bad weekend for them in that sense. I mean, second, third and a fastest lap was enough for Mercedes to still, you know, have an overall net positive on the weekend. But they can't keep hemorrhaging wins to Verstappen like this. Um, you know, eventually they that will catch up to them. You know, the Mercs have always struggled from a strategic standpoint when they've had two cars in a fight. When they've had one car in a fight, it's not normally a problem. And when their cars have been a little bit stronger, Hamilton's been able to get them out of a pinch more often than not because he is that good. And no one's disputing that. But this time, when the cars are on a very close footing, maybe a 10-5 away most weekends now, these operational, the operational runnings of these teams matter that much more. And Mercs do not fill me with confidence when they've done this. France was a classic example of that. Like, they were out here jumping up and down about how they won in Spain, and then they got they had their pants pulled down in France in identical fashion a couple of weeks later. You know, I, I thought that yeah. was one of the most hilarious turning points of the whole season, because that yeah, was part of the it, it Red Bull being win streak. Red Bull stopped being passive at France. They stopped yeah. being passive, and they started deciding, you know what? Let's just match Mercedes. Whatever they do, we're either going to match them. If they get ahead of us on track, we're going to go aggressive. And it's been working for them. Yeah, I love that. I love that. That's the, that's the Red Bull I've been waiting to see after years and years of boasting. And it's finally coming good. 
Congratulations, you've done it. Well, and, uh, I mean, that, uh, it's going <laughs> to come into play quite a bit at the next track we're at, given it is the power circuit to end all power circuits. Oh, that, uh, yeah. that lump of metal in the back is doing its job. Yeah. Should we talk about the driver who, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he doubled up at Monza? Sure. Oh, come on. <laughs> Bit of a reach, but, you know, you got to give it the old college try. Pierre Gasly, P4, his third that, straight finish in the top six. Pierre Gasly, that's it. That's the section. He, he's a monster. <clears throat> like, I, 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 this is not a fluke anymore. He's na- like, like this. He's putting the car like, top six every fucking weekend. Yeah, like I know it's it's easy. Like it's 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 a little bit funny because like we were gassing up Lando Norris about a couple of months ago about his amazing run of form, and it's still amazing. He's had a bit of outside mm-hmm. interference. It's not. It's, it's maybe taken yeah, a little bit. McLaren mm-hmm. were rough this weekend. Indeed, but at the same time, year. under the radar. Pierre Gasly is almost single-handedly dragging Alpha Tauri into the top five battle in the Constructors' Championship. Because Yuki Snow has not really pulled his weight. He's only got 12 points so far this season. 18. Pierre Gasly is only nine off his career best, which was last year, when he had, I think he had 75 last year. And that was only a 17 season. Ma. With a win. That was, that, was, that was scoring a win. He's almost yeah. matched it already, and we have, we have over a third of the season to go. I'm telling oh, yeah. you, if something goes screwy with any one of the BD4 uh, at Monza, Pierre Gasly's on the podium at minimum. Pierre Gasly... He's a driver Pierre of the year. I'm a, I might rate him over Norris for driver of the year because I don't think that... I think the AlphaTauri is better than what it's shown. I think part of that has been Yuki being pretty rough. This year, all I want is for Yuki to do. I just want him to be good, but he's not been good as of. It's a nice point. But Gasly has been consistently putting the AlphaTauri in the fight with up to this point what were considered the what was considered the battle for the best of the rest between McLaren and Ferrari. We're only six points behind Alpine. They're like a whole race this year. They're a yeah. whole race ahead of Aston Martin, who were our preseason pick to be the best of the rest. Aston Martin is <laughs> stunk. Um, yeah. I Pierre Gasly is like he's hunting down that ten out of ten in the M One Awards. He's trying. Pierre, he's Pierre trying. Gasly wants it to be known that after this contract ends, we'll talk about it a bit. Like, ayo, hey, net seat opens at the at an elite team. I, I want that. I yeah. want that, but, but we'll hold that Keep. thought till later. It's, it's amazing what happens when you join an employee that actually gives a shit about its drivers, gives them a happy atmosphere, and lets him drive the nuts off a, off a decent machine. Oh, but Pierre only, Pierre, Pierre only knows how to just look at graphs and analyze I'm, data. I'm going to disagree with both of those notions. What I'm going to no. say is that Pierre Gasly now is not the Pierre Gasly that drove at Red Bull. Oh, yeah. No. He is... He's he has that. evolved so much as a driver since then. His whole approach is different. He he got put in the dumps. He got fired from a top team, and his career was looking probably on the Wait. way out of Formula One, unless he changed. And he did, and he is absolutely phenomenal. 
behind Think the about this. racing car. Pierre Gasly doesn't even have to worry about, like, we don't even have to worry about if Pierre Gasly's going to Alpine or not because he has his sights set higher, I think. He has yeah. his sights mm-hmm. set way above his home team. Yeah. yeah, that was a ridiculously good P4. And he absolutely, because he was in a race of his own. Obviously, AlphaTauri has limitations and they're not going to challenge the big three. He drove away from everyone field. behind him. Yeah. He drove away. The midfield got slaughtered behind it. Like, <laughs> the Ferraris and the, and the Alpines were nowhere in comparison to, to, to Pierre Gasly in the Honda B team. Phenomenal performance. One of the best of the year so far. Um, yeah, seriously, says, that was... Says quite a bit about, again, that mm. lump in the back. Because uh, last year, yeah. car wasn't bad. But it wasn't doing this on a regular basis. No. No, no. That's it good. was the clear bottom of that midfield tier last year. It was, you know, behind everybody else in that second group. Now... He might single-handedly get it into the... Because Franz Tost has been begging for that top five finish for years in the Constructors, and this might be the year <laughs> they happen. finally get there. So it's going to uh, be a hell of a job. But, but yeah, he's doing a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant job. Oh. Yeah, all that... Uh, all... Did you did RJ just go quiet? I want to I want to hold my yep. thought. I want to hold my full thoughts about Gasly and Sonoda until our net segment. Mm, mm. But I would say so, is um, <clears throat> that uh, well, I just lost my fucking train of thought. It'll come to you. We'll we'll cut a little bit. Move out on. Move on. <laughs> if it comes go back on. to me, go I'll pitch in. Let's let's talk yeah. about fans. Let's talk about the best fans in the world. Registered <laughs> trademark, right? Did Lewis Hamilton enter the chat here? Um, best fans in the world. Best fans. Thanks everybody for coming out, etc. Yeah. Same. Same again next week. No. Um, so, what did you guys make of the overall atmosphere at Zandvoort? The track as a whole. The vibes. You know. You know. We're all in orange. So it clearly made a mark somehow. You know. But uh, what did you guys make of it all from an overall spectacle? I was right that it was going to be very hard to overtake. What I didn't expect was how fun it was to see the drivers take the high bank corners, Hugenholtz Bach turn three, and last corner line back bot. And people saw the proposals and they were like very worried, like, Christ, you're gonna put a nineteen degree bank corner? God, this is going to be like a fucking in- <laughs> like an IndyCar disaster crash. To their credit, there wasn't a lot of bad. There wasn't a lot of bad shit that happened there. Like, yeah, you saw a, guy, a couple guys spin off on the gravel and shit in qualifying, but overall, it was pretty calm and amazingly well behaved. Yeah, mm. and the the bank corners actually like gave us different lines that you could tackle. Could you imagine if these cars could actually follow each other through corners and race wheel to wheel? It'd be even better. Yeah, I think I think we didn't see anything wild the bank corners because there's only like turn three is the only corner where you could really be alongside someone going into it. Uh, you can't really line dike Bach, You can't really be alongside someone going into the corner because the corner before. Uh, I think the only thing I'm disappointed about is like they they originally envisioned. The the DRS zone on the main straight extending while starting just before Line Dyke Bach to really try to make Tarzan in 
turn one an actual overtaking opportunity, and they decided to play it safe because they didn't want any incidents after, you know, everything has happened over the past couple weeks. Yeah. Mm. Uh, which is understandable, but huh? it, it probably, you know, there weren't... Turn one was not really an overtaking opportunity. There's a lot of red flags in practice and qualifying. Six in the weekend, if you include the junior series. I'll say the track this weekend. Atmospherically, if you're a Max Verstappen fan, fantastic. Uh, <laughs> Shout-outs to that guy who bought the Lewis Hamilton uh, banner, hung it from a plane, and flew it over the track. That's I got obliterated. I got obliterated for pointing that out on Thursday from all the Hamilton fans. It's well, not your money being spent, and I'm just like, I just thought it was a funny observation. Like, yeah, he spent sixteen hundred quid this on is, it. This is not just me peeping. Come on. Oh. Uh, I mean, I mean, you're you're being berated by people who spend so much time on Twitter they can't feed their kids. Anyway. <laughs> Feel free to uh, cut that out or leave that in. No, I'm leaving that in. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It's absolutely staying in. <laughs> oh, damn. If you, know, if you know, if it sounds like the shoe fits, it's because it does. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, but really, atmospherically, this was, it was fun. Um, orange smoke everywhere. Oh, yeah. Drivers told him Track don't do looks- this, and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Alonzo on the on the cooldown lap is so I'm taking it for Stappen one because I can't see. <laughs> just imagine yeah. when this actually gets opened up to full capacity because oh if you looked at some oh, of the crowd shots, it looked like full yeah, capacity. Yeah, this they they yeah. did not cap this in no damn fifty yeah, percent. As, 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 as a disclaimer, they were o- they were only allowed sixty six percent attendance. So I think there's room for oh, another thirty thousand. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's room for another thirty thousand here. So like, yeah, there is plenty of potential for even more. I don't believe them because it looked like it was a sellout. But um, yeah, it was. It looked like it. It swear it. It sounded like it when Verstappen got pole and it drowned out the sound of the cars. The track oh, God, looks. Yeah. Like a riot to drive, but uh, oh yeah, much like much like one of my favorites in Suzuka Circuit, phenomenal to drive. Doesn't produce the best racing in Formula One cars. No, I mean, go leading up to it's, it. It's I mean, the F three cars, the F three yeah. cars couldn't even really pass, <laughs> which should have no, been a bad got, sign. Yeah, you got, we got, is we a place to... where sports cars, GT cars, have a tough time overtaking. You think it's going to mm. be easy in a Formula One car? No. Uh, no, no, I was going to say, look, this remind atmosphere-wise, it was like Mugello in MotoGP when you got 100,000 rabid Italians and a sea of yellow smoke devoted to their one and only true king, the Dino Petrucci. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> the last Italian to win at Mugello, I'll have you know. But uh, no, like it was, it was like it, it was a tremendous atmosphere. You could you you could hear the roar when Verstappen put it on pole. Um, those are the that, that's cool as shit. There's no denying yeah. that. I, I can't. I'm not going to sit here and say that I could endorse having flares at a Grand Prix circuit. No. But I'd be lying if I said it didn't add to the atmosphere because it yeah, does. I have it a was... feeling that flares, <laughs> much like the air horns and the pink shoe here's are going to go out the window at some point. Real, yeah. real quick. But these pops, all they were missing was like, like a mm. banging hip hop beat set to "Flight of the Valkyries," and it would have done <laughs> it indistinguishable from any one of the number of of uh, Austin esque 
pops from all out this yeah, past week. Because because Max Verstappen is, as we all know, is all elite. But um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, the atmosphere was great, as as Cam's alluded to. I agree with the sentiments. It's it's it was always it looked like it was always going to be a challenge. It was um, you, you had to be spectacularly in front to be able to pull a pass off anywhere on this place. To which Especially both, both Sergio Perez and Pierre Gasly putting in their uh, entries into yeah. the Scotty gonna... Award because, damn. Oof. Yeah, <laughs> some some big balls driving there on, on to, to, to make that work around the outside of Turn 1. Yeah, but, um, you know, hopefully next year, new cars, etc., maybe we get a bit more raceability. Again, I think extending that DRS zone at the front certainly wouldn't hurt. Um, not a bad idea either. Speaking of the atmosphere... And speaking of pro-wrestling crowds... Oh, boy. I got a feeling this might split the internet here, mm-hmm. but I'm going to say it anyway. What do we make of the state of the booing? Because for context, real quick, mm-hmm. we got the Dutch fans booing Lewis Hamilton after qualifying second on Saturday. Guido van der Gaard was doing the driver interviews. He gave a thumbs down sign to the crowd. Like we're watching Gladiator. Like fans, no, don't do, don't do that. It's um, wild you know. that Guido van der is the voice of reason anywhere. Guido van der Gaard, known troll on the internet, is telling the fans not to boo Lewis Hamilton. Like, 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 that's a hell of a sentence in its own right. Thankfully, the fans wisened up a bit on Sunday. The booing wasn't really a thing after the for the race podium or the interviews. Then they wisened up. They didn't boo Hamilton on Sunday. To to uh, in, in fairness, if I'm being completely balanced about this. But people on, on on the social medias don't like it when these drivers get booed. But I wanted to hear what you guys thought of the offing. Because we haven't really talked about it all that much. And I want you guys' perspective on it. Plenty of those same people were probably booing back in 2013. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. always... like I'm Personally, I'm split about it. Because on one hand, uh, a part of the, the hey, don't boo drivers things comes from a place of... Oh, we're fans of our sport are better than fans of other sports. It's not football. I say, coming from NASCAR, (laughs) growing up on NASCAR, booing drivers is a way of life. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. like it it does come from a place of looking down on other sports, and but Mm. obviously the other side of part, the other side of the coin, where it's like. These drivers are risking their lives out there. It's it, this. This is dangerous. Yeah. Like there, there's a big gray area. But to say that booing is off limits all the time, it, I'd say that's too far. I think it's. Yeah, it, I think it's possible. unrealistic. It's yeah, unrealistic. I want to. If I want to boo, say Nikita Mazepin, no one would have any issues with that. Right. That's right. just it. it. The problem isn't the booing; it's who's getting booed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, back in 2013, when a certain blonde German kid was winning everything, and I do mean everything, he was getting booed at every track, regardless of where it was in the world. Because, well, he made, made, he made the he made the tough, real racing driver Mark Webber sad, and that's that's also another factor about it, where it's like fans don't just boo people for no reason. Most right. of the times, most of the time, and 
in Luce's case, there are other reasons why Luce is getting booed. But yeah. most of the time, mm. uh, when drivers say, get booed... This recent spate of booing it started with a particular incident at a particular race. Yeah. Where someone and, ended up in a wall at 51G. And mm-hmm. most of the time, when, when drivers do get booed, it is somewhat encouraged by the media. Where... Oh, yeah. where Media personalities don't specifically say, hey, start booing this driver. They'll, you know, they'll say things like, you know, this what this driver did or for whatever reason, uh, this driver should be shamed and like, oh, you, you well, shouldn't look, like, be behaving this way. And just then look at that- the aftermath of, just, just look at the Hungary um, media pen session when... We got, all week, we got the the rivalry hyped up. Do Max and Lewis hate each other now, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah. Max, Max literally told the media pen to shut the fuck up on yeah. international broadcast because he was sick of hearing it. And Lewis was right yeah. there. Lewis was sick of hearing it. Yeah. I, I, again, a lot of this is going to stem from that and that incident. It's, it riled up both fan bases. Mm. I, I, look, I, I'm British. I come from a soccer background. I'm not going to sit here and, 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 and say that booing is completely off limits when I'm a fucking football fan. Like, it, like I, I can't do it. It's, it, it, it's, it's, it's socially acceptable to boo football teams for no valid reason other than rivalries. Like, we, we, yeah. we don't boo, like, I'm a United fan. I don't boo Liverpool because, you know, you know, because, you know, for any genuine nasty reason, it's because they're Liverpool. We were told that that's a say, rivalry, so we booed say them. Say the so, line, you know. Dre. <laughs> which, which one? I've got plenty. Sports rivalries are built on what? Hatred. Cold-blooded hatred. They are not built on mutual acquaintances, friendship, and respect of the game. They are built on good, cold-blooded hatred. Yeah, it's like Falcon Saints. Yep. Like, like, <laughs> people don't boo. Uh, like people don't boo athletes because they love them. Like, no. <laughs> and 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 I, I've always found that, I, I, to a degree I understand why F one fans think they're above that because, as King alluded to, there is a genuine F1 increased it's risk above of everything. Oh yeah. Well, that in general, first and foremost. But second of all, yes, there is an element of obviously there is an increased element of danger in this sport compared to most sports. That's understandable. However, if you honestly expect sports fans who have paid their hard-earned money to go to an event in person and not be emotionally invested in the people involved, especially in this era where driver personalities count for more than ever before, I've got some snake oil to sell you. Oh, yeah. This is going to happen. Yeah, but yeah, the other thing is, again, I'd say, like, a lot of media outlets need to look at themselves, and it's like, you, you can't condemn booing while also doing things that encourage people to boo drivers. Yeah. Exactly. Very you're, true. You're, Very true. you're trying to create a solution to a problem you are creating. <laughs> right. It's like, it's, it's, it's like, oh no, the bridge is on fire. Let me pour some kerosene on it and then call the fire brigade. Um, it's like, go on, RJ. <laughs> um, my stance on booing is this. You, you boo drivers all you want. It's fine. But, but that should also open the door for the drivers to cut a full-scale heel promo on you. This is my stance, and I'm sticking with it. 
Yes, I, I look forward to the 15th weekend in a row where Lewis Hamilton says, oh, don't worry, the booing motivates me like every elite athlete says when they don't like them. You know, like, mm. oh, the boo- booing motivates me. Like, no, Lewis, Lewis, you're in Italy. Go for that cheap sports team heat. There's got to be a Serie A club you can trash on. Just dunk on Juventus like everybody else does. Um, no, 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 that's, not, that's, that's not how you get no, heat. No. Everyone no. hates Juventus already. No, okay, uh, Lewis, Lewis already spent enough time over. dunking on Maurizio or Rivabene. <laughs> <laughs> Very Damn. good. No, no, like, I, like, I, I, look, I've said it before. We didn't give a shit when Sebastian Vettel was booed for two thirds of 2013 for the highly poisonous activity of, and let me just check my notes here. Winning ignoring, too much. Ignoring a team order and winning too much. It's, it, it, it was nonsense then. And, and like, I don't condone booing people for no good reason. Like that, that I think is objectively stupid. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. I would also say that the attitude that motorsport thinks it's above this sort of thing, Dale Earnhardt got booed in his home Grand Prix, in his home races in NASCAR, for dumping uh, people out on track. Uh, We're not above famously, this. Famously, <laughs> like, yeah. famously, when he uh, chose to rattle Terry Labonte's cage mm-hmm. and win a race, the boos were raining down from a sold-out <laughs> Bristol crowd. Yeah. While he was it, while he was smirking up at them in victory lane. Counter that point, Jeff Gordon had trash thrown in his car because he won at Talladega and his name wasn't Dale Jr. Right. He was he was catching Budweiser cans to the Pepsi car. Yeah, so like I, I said I said it before. Like, like, like that. This, sucks. this ho- this whole notion that motorsport fans are above this is complete horseshit as far as I'm concerned. Oh, yeah. You know, so I would say embrace it. Embrace it. It's part yeah, of the I'd fun. Say, yeah, embrace it, but obviously call out the behavior that's actually damaging. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, because we, we've seen enough horrific behavior in, on social media to last a lifetime in the last two months of Formula One. <sighs> yes. That's the shit that you should condemn. Oh yeah, not 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 the petty booing that doesn't really mean anything in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, you're 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 entitled. You're you're allowed to not like someone. Trust me, it is. Uh, don't don't worry about what Twitter tells you. It's not a hate crime. I promise. <laughs> right. <laughs> so with Zanfor, solid five orange flares out of ten. I think. Is that fair to say? Yeah, we needed a nice normal. Mostly processional five out of ten race to just reset our bearings after take the edge off it. After Hungary, after whatever the hell Belgium was, we just we just needed a nice palate cleanser. No, ah yes, Belgium, the NA out of ten race. The are you fucking kidding me? Of a different variety out of ten. But yes, with that in mind, we'll be back to talk about Formula One on next week's show with the Italian Grand Prix at Monza. More on that at the end of the show. Without further ado, let's move on real quick. Silly season, ladies and gentlemen. RJ, get your yellow tie out of the Sky Sports News cabinet. Let's talk some transfers. Bow, bow, bow. It's time. Silly season's kicking off. Monday morning. 
uh, after trying to sneak in a fastest lap of the race against the request of James Vowles, Valtteri Botas officially confirmed an Alfa Romeo on a multi-year contract to replace the retiring world champion Kimi Räikkönen. And when that happens, everyone knows what's coming next. Tuesday morning, George Russell, Formula 3 and Formula George. 2 champion. Formula 1 podium finisher, Mercedes-Benz, single-seater protege, confirmed at the Mercedes-AMG Formula 1 team for the full season alongside Lewis Hamilton, which is a great time for AlphaTauri to dump that their re-signing Pierre Gasly and Yuki Tsunoda. Just dump that news while everybody's losing their mind that George Russell is officially, finally a Mercedes driver at long last. Mm-hmm. Late Tuesday night, or very early Wednesday morning, depending on where you are, there's a photo that leaks out of <laughs> a uh, of a man of Southeast Asian descent in Williams gear doing a photo shoot. Oh, yeah. And we all know what that means. Wednesday, it's confirmed. Alexander Albon, back full-time Formula One next year with Williams. Nicholas Latifi is back, too, as his teammate. Fans of Horsey Albon rejoice. So now all that leaves, because we know Lance Stroll is getting renewed in that second seat, right? At Aston Martin. Yeah. We just have the second seat. We have a second seat available at Alfa Romeo, Sauber Motorsport, Andretti Autosport, this ad here. (laughs) Um, And one other thing that we didn't mention about that Dutch Grand Prix is that Antonio Giovinazzi, who was last week assumed to be as good as out of that seat, all of a sudden, after Four he qualified seven. seventh, he just made this a little more difficult. Yeah, right. Uh, as- supposedly, he got the order of you have three races to prove why we should keep you, and uh, well, qualifying seventh in an Alfa Romeo that has been hot trash this year is yeah. a good step to do it. Some monster lap from Antonio, brilliant bit of driving. Nick DeVries. Now Guanyu Zhou, Teo Porcher, the Sauber Jr., they're all floating around as potential candidates with DeFries as the favorite if they don't keep Giovinazzi. But let's jump to the big one, the one that dominated most of the headlines the last three days unless something else drops. Folks, how's George Russell going to get on his first season at Mercedes? He will score points. Yep. He'll score points. That's all I'm going to say. That's watching, everybody. (laughs) Being completely honest. I don't have any idea. Everyone on the internet has no idea how well George Russell <laughs> is going to do this. They think they have an He could do really, really well. He could mm-hmm. do really, really bad. We don't know. We don't know, because he's only ever driven a Williams. So we well, no, no, because he, dro- no, he drove a Mercedes one time. He didn't finish it, but he drove it. Were it not for, were it not for him, uh, were it not for Mercedes having their token meltdown of the year mm. entirely in his side of the pit garage, right. Riley wins his first race. Yeah. I, I think people think they know how this is going to go, but we don't. Because I've heard it, like, I've heard it said that, like, uh, before this move was ever made this. that, like, oh, Lewis Hamilton's scared of the competition he's going to face. There is like, a bigger problem here. Yeah. We are getting brand new, literally nothing but the power units carry over cars next year. Yeah. Anything is and, possible. And while everyone can sit here and say, well, it's Mercedes, of course they'll get it right. 
A lot of the same people said, well, it's Ferrari and McLaren Mercedes. They'll get it right in 2009. Or in 2014, Red Bull and Renault are definitely going to get this right. Or or you start, you do what your Mercedes is doing this year. You have a championship-level car. You cut development early, put everything into new regulations, and... Suddenly, your BMW Sauber staring down the barrel of a financial gun. Yeah. Oh, man, like, let me check out uh, the economy's doing. <laughs> uh, oh, shit. <laughs> man. People seem to have so, this idea that Lewis All Hamilton speculation. All speculation is moot, given the circumstances. Um, However, mm-hmm. purely as a driver... Whatever Mercedes produces next year, however good his teammate is next year, I think Russell's going to be okay. I think as long as he doesn't I think throw he's the, gonna thrive his team just into dis- Yeah, if he doesn't throw his team into disrepute for doing something like horrendously terrible or something, or like mm. injure himself, George Russell's going to get on just fine his first year. It's house money. It's his first year. Yeah, if he if he ends up giving Lewis Hamilton a scare in some weeks, so what? Lewis Hamilton's at the suns of his career. I know he still wants to win, but it's not like. But I, I, it just blows my mind. It's like, oh, Lewis Hamilton can't handle the competition. He wants his layover Valtteri Bottas as a teammate for the next twenty years for all these easy victories. Even he knows he's not going to be a Formula One that long. Yeah, like people are going on. Like this is borderline. People just straight up saying. Oh, this it's, is... It's this not is 2007, 2007 all over again. It's not 2007 all over again. And, and Hamilton does not have... Reverse. Hamilton does not have number one-itis like Alonzo has. Trust me, I would not, know. I, yeah. I don't, I'm not so sure in that regard. However... We don't know. Because Mercedes know. could be... Mercedes could be what they were for three years when they had Nico Rosberg and Lewis Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Mm. They could be. They could be shit. They could be like, somewhere in the middle. We don't like, know. If if I had to put the segment up on YouTube as a as a highlight, the title mm. would simply be "Don't Know," which is borderline clickbaity, but is exactly what. Can we're I do saying. the clickbait thumbnail yeah. expression too? <laughs> can I just? <laughs> <laughs> Purely purely from what we've seen from him as a driver, (laughs) he's going to be okay. He'll he'll be fine. He won't, like, his driving ability is not going to get him fired. That's that's all, that's the only thing I can be certain of. Look, look, and and I think his driving ability, his driving ability, if it comes down to another close championship battle next year, probably yeah. isn't going to be what costs Mercedes a potential championship. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's what they need him for. Yeah, um, look, the, the the grand picture is, look, the minimum really should be match Sergio Perez next year. Because if you do that, it puts less pressure on Hamilton against Verstappen again next year. If it's these two teams in the title fight again in 2022, which is likely. No, um, I'm, I'm like all here for the Ferrari-Aston title fight in 2022. <laughs> King, you bite your Manifest tongue. Manifest it. Manifest it. Manifest it. Um, you bite your tongue. Is, uh, no, no, let him finish. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
That's one of the I've never seen. I've never seen Dre's eyes go wider than when when Kendrick. No, I was going to say, look, look, it's. It's hard to get a read on this because George Russell's career is hard to benchmark so far. The Williams team has been largely down. It's a bit better this year, but it's still pretty down mm. relative to the so field. something else we didn't talk about during the Dutch Grand Prix. Mm. You know, the, those phenomenal qualifying performances had to end because both Williams, quote, ate shit in qualifying. <laughs> um, they have this thing where it's kind of sensitive to wind conditions. And yeah. if you clip a curb and it's windy, the... Well, the floor shuts mm. off, Man, and then yeah. you crash. Good thing Zandvoort yeah. has all those trees and buildings to shield you from the sea breeze. Uh, I know, it's oh, great. Wait. Um, <laughs> wait. Yeah. Mercedes yeah, um, can't go back in time and not fumble the bag with Pascal Verline. They can't keep no. Esteban Ocon from going to some blue team. So mm. it's, it makes sense that, you know, on the third time, they finally get this right with George. I'm glad. Yeah, it's, yeah I was, I was going to say, look, I think... If he's if he's on where with what Perez is at the moment, look. If the last three years have taught us anything, especially about the Red Bull second seat, it's goddamn hard to come up from a midfield team into a top tier team and be great straight away. Let alone be given the chance to even potentially be great down the road. Merckx is different. They lean on the side of being conservative with driver choices. They give their dudes a bigger leash. I think George will be absolutely fine. I, I don't. I think people expected him to go in there and trounce Verstappen at a sort of top gear, antiquated presenter that thinks everything has to be Senna versus Prost. And I don't think that's what this is going to be. I think people want it to be that because they like the drama of, a, of an I in-house think, title fight. I, I think picking Russell. I think picking Russell is less of a risk than giving Bottas another year, given sure. how up and down Bottas has been this year. Mm. Let's talk about it. What's mm. going to be the more impactful move next year? Assuming everything is as is Botas or Albon? Albon. Albon. <laughs> and well, the, the interesting thing is I thought about this. I thought about this as soon as I saw it this morning. It's going to be really interesting seeing if Albon can lead a team. Because he's never been in that position before. It's going to be very new to him. This is a team that, by all accounts, is on the up. They are getting deeper Mercedes ties for next year as far as the mechanical setup of their car. Albon has the keys. Mm-hmm. That's something he was never going to have at Red Bull. He did not have no. a normal first two seasons of Formula 1, right? Because no. his first deal is kind of ha- slapdash together. He gets no, not a whole slate of preseason testing. Then he's rushed up to the big team in the middle of the season. And then 2020 is a COVID year and he's, and he's suffering and he's not having a good time. He needed to hit the reset button. I, I, I'm a fan of giving people who don't make stupid, uh, self-inflicted adversity. I'm inflicted giving those people second chances. And Alex Albon, I think, is going to do well. I think he's going to at least um, get the better of two-thirds of the qualifying battle, score the majority of the points of the team, and Williams is going to trend upwards. That's so. got to be the expectation, given yeah. he's up against Nicholas Latifi. But mm. I'm not the biggest supporter of Albon, mm. given his body of work. But this is very different for him, and he has to make this work. Because he's going to be directing the fu- the the this future of this team from what is theoretically a number one driver standpoint, and I think- and 
I think Williams is in better position to grow and move forward as a team than Alfa Romeo is. Because somehow, despite having deeper ties with Ferrari, getting their chief designer in the middle of a Ferrari title battle, which is still one of the most insane things I think I've ever seen a team in a title battle do, Mm. and getting money to survive and not worry about folding, Sauber have been awful. Yeah, I was going to say, I I was going to say Albon to Williams purely because, just look at the teams, Williams trending up, Alpha trending down. There's like, there is a serious chance that Williams, there's a very good chance now that Williams are going to end up finishing 8th in the Constructors here because they, they made 20 points of their previous two races before this one, and Alpha is probably going to end up ninth. And, you know, there's I more d- money for Williams that I don't get what's going way. on. I don't get what's going on at Alfa Romeo Salber because they have seemingly all the ingredients. And by all accounts, Kimi Raikkonen up until this year was still solid, if nothing else. There's still flashes, but you could tell, like, with Raikkonen that there were times, like, at Belgium and qualifying, there was a point where I was just like, yeah, this isn't fun for him anymore. They're just as fun every as car, every car since 2018 has been progressively worse. Yeah, even despite the Ferrari, yeah. the issues with the Ferrari PUs last year, they've just been poor. Indeed, Ooh, yeah. I, I, I personally think that look, there's actually probably a bit more pressure on Albon to succeed at Williams, given they're trending in the right direction. Probably more historic brand team. We expect Williams to be further up than where they've been for the last half decade. There's no real pressure on Bottas to succeed at Alpha. Like, you know, like, and that's probably the best thing for him, to be honest with you, because yeah. he, th- that's where he did well when he was at Williams in the first place. Nobody thought that, that Bottas, I know, was going to come out and smack Felipe Massa around in 2014. That's what made him so impressive and probably got him that Mercedes. Nobody thought he was going to upstage Spanish Grand Prix dry weather winner Pastor Maldonado in his rookie right. year after just, after like doing a half season of, yeah. of FP1s. Exactly. So I want that you know, Valtteri Bottas back. That's the Valtteri Bottas I could roll with. Not, not, not um, treading water. That Valtteri I think is Bottas. that I think is going to be the unfortunate issue with Valtteri's career. We'll see how Alfa Romeo goes. Is he came into Mercedes as a fairly quick, exceptional defensively, um, good overall driver who needed to shore up his tire management and a couple other things, and he would have been a title threat, and he just never did. Indeed. He's got to reset. Uh, He's got to find his old self. And it's hoping it does. I think think there's a chance he can do that, Alpha, but he probably needs a bit of help from a team that's in a bit of a mess at the moment, as it is. Uh, more on Alpha and Maymond just a little bit, but uh, I wanted to talk real quick. We we talked, we we glossed, gushed over his fourth place and how his season's gone to date. Was Pierre Gasly overlooked in this in this silly season in the grand scheme of things? You can make a case that he is. I know he likes being an Alpha Tory, but Alpha Tauri. I don't um, I don't agree with I, that. I think he wants more. The problem is he didn't really have any I mean Mercedes wasn't gonna call him up out of nowhere and just stiff arm George Russell and uh <laughs> sign Gasly to the seat, but Gasly is in the unenviable position of driving his heart out at a not not great team, but there's nowhere for him to really go. Yeah, it would be it would be so much easier if Ferrari or McLaren were as good as they once were, but they're not. 
and they don't have yeah. Vacancies. Well, and I think Ferrari's set for drivers for the foreseeable future. McLaren, well, one yeah. of those seats is secure. Not so sure about the <laughs> other one in the future. But then, given where he's putting the AlphaTauri, McLaren's probably a lateral move for Gasly yeah. right now. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, my personal opinion is is that there's just nowhere for Gasly to go. Like the midfield yeah. had their ducks lined up in a row pretty early on. Daniel Ricciardo was joined the team this year on a three year deal. Lando Norris quickly matched that three year deal later on in the season. Ferrari weren't going to move anybody. Leclerc's in the middle of a five year contract. Sainz is on a two year deal, and he's been excellent so far this season. They're not going to move him on anytime soon. Alpine was one of the first few to tie down a driver this year of Esteban Ocon's three-year extension, and nobody really thought Alonso was going to go anywhere. And again, Aston Martin, no one's thinking Lance Stroll's going anywhere, and Vettel signed a multiple-year contract. So even if you could talk about Pierre, the only real move for him was the very, very top of the pile, and that was Mercedes. I know they're very smitten with Pierre on social media, but I don't, I didn't ever think that they were going to take him over what they already had in their own academy in George Russell. Um, which is a shame because no, and, I think, I, you know, I think Gasly's a, 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 an excellent driver and I think oh, he yeah. would actually be a bit more of a benchmarkable driver to have than oh. Russell at this point in time. So if they, if they said to me, we're taking Gasly over Russell, I'd be like, yeah, I get it. Mm, you well, know, I'll tell so you what, though, think- if you're Mercedes, if slash when Lewis Hamilton decides to move on from his Formula One career... Gasly's still available. Empty the piggy bank. Get this man a seat. Back up the Brinks truck. And then back up the whole fleet of Brinks truck. Dr. Marker, we know you don't want this dude anymore. How much you want to give us? How much of a Yeah, he could be the number one guy on the board in the next two years. Especially after when Hamilton's contract expires in two years' time. Um... Is he going to go on to his age 40 season, Hamilton? We don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But there could be a big hole in that Mercedes in a couple of years' time if he's willing to stick it out a bit longer. Just a thought. Um, one more before we get out of here as well. There is probably only one seat left on next just year's one. grid now. Probably oh. just one. We haven't as much confirmed their lineup for next year, but we're all we're pretty confident. That we all know. Still. Unless Lance decides he's bored with racing, we know. I doubt it. But so if there's that only happens, one seat that left. Team probably dies. If, if that happens, uh, if that happens, we've got one seat left for next year. As it's the second now for Romeo alongside Valtteri. Who do you pick? Do you keep Giovinazzi? Do you gamble on Nick DeFries over there in, uh, in the reigning Formula E world champion? Do you take your main academy prospect for your poor share? Or do you take someone else on the open market entirely? Gentlemen, you're Fred Vassar. You no longer have Ferrari influence in your second seat. What say you? Mm. Oh, Lord. Like, honestly, I'd just sign Giovinazzi to a one-year deal and see how things are next year. I like that. I th- yeah, that's... I, I think no matter who... Um, no matter who they sign, it's probably going to be on a short-term deal, and then they see what happens with poor Cher, because everyone and their mother thinks he deserves an F1 drive already. Um, too soon in my opinion fuck it uh, see, see, see if um, see if famous vlogger Nico Rosberg wants to come back and uh, try for a season <laughs> 
um, somehow I'm not convinced he'd do that. He's, he's got a lot of fingers and a lot of pies, entrepreneurship-wise, at the moment. I don't think driving an F1 car is in his best interest anymore. Callum Mylott <laughs> has a one-off IndyCar drive, so I kind of feel mm. like he has a foot out the door, which is going to be a shame, you know. Shame. Best driver from the class that didn't get the move up from F1 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick DeVries has the talent, but my big worry with a driver like DeVries is that, yes, it's a whole new regulation set anyway. It doesn't gamble, but Formula One teams, especially when you get a whole new regulations overhaul, even when it shouldn't matter, are timid. They want experience. They they want... Well, I think they that's, want why, that's the reason why they brought in Bottas. Yeah. And... Safe pair of hands. If... You know what? It wouldn't surprise me if they just kept Giovinazzi, who... Let's not forget, we talked about how much Alfa Romeo has regressed within the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Giovinazzi didn't get settled back at that team until after that car started turning into 11. Yeah, um, didn't help. So the problem, for, the problem is, is that other than qualifying by almost every other metric, noted yeah, hobbyist and 17,000-year-old man Kimi Raikkonen is still outperforming him. Yeah. And doesn't help. Don't get me wrong. Testament to Kimmy's longevity and talent. But if he's the guy that Ferrari booted out of a seat to put in Charles Leclerc, and you're still not outperforming him at this stage, uh, it might be worth it to take a punt on DeVries and just see how it plays out. I think Salber is going to go all in on Porsche sooner or later, but it's too soon now. Way too soon at this point. I'm... I'm thinking somebody that's not on this board. I know it's trendy to think that because he didn't win the title last year and that he's only going to get up there because of like a rumored $30 million sponsorship. Guan Yu Zhou is Formula One material, I'd say. And he's going to bring cash with him, which is a big bonus. If he wins the Formula Two title especially... I don't see any reason why not. Yeah, I mean, if, if it were me, I mean, me, I like King's idea. It's, it's, it's straight out of the NFL. It's the one-year prove-it contract. And Gio, you know, he's, he, I'm not sure how much of a better yardstick Bottas will be compared to what Raikkonen is right now. Um, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I... I'm. I, I don't know. Like, why did everybody pass on Nick DeFries two years ago, or well, three years ago? I should say, and that's what Mercedes, worries me about Mercedes it. had nowhere to put him but the FE team. Yeah. And you know, the perception is that DeVries was an overcooked prospect who took too long to get out of Formula Two. A reminder that Formula that people think that they don't like the way Helmut Marco runs uh, junior programs, but then all think like Helmut Marco does. Because yeah. they don't yeah. think that drivers develop a different case. And Mercedes has had this problem where they let prospects cook for a really, really long time. And until literally this week, throw them all in the trash for yeah. someone else and to pick people at. people just assume, oh, Mercedes is so much better than, than Red Bull because George Russell made it to the team. They're the same. The first one. They're the, they're the same coin. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much all of them. I'm like, I'm like, some are worse than others, but Mercedes are near the bottom of the pile. The, the one driver like, academy where I would say they they do a pretty damn good job is Ferrari, 
given how much time they've they give people. However, they have Mick Schumacher in a Haas right now, and I yeah. can't condone torture. <laughs> I like King's idea. I like Geo on the one-year prove-it deal. I, I'd no. say the the only point I'd make against myself would be <laughs> the fact that when it comes to testing an F1, the only way they get a young driver to test is not in current machinery, but in quote-unquote, contemporary machinery. It needs to be a couple seasons old. And the fact that we're going to a completely new rule set next year means that if you wanted to bring someone in two years from now, it would be exceedingly difficult to get them prepared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's the two sides of the coin. You might want a safe pair of hands going into the next set of regs, but if you bring someone in after, it's going to be a big culture <laughs> shock. Yeah. Indeed. One more, one more year for Paul Cher, maybe? Yeah, yeah still still at least one. is great, but they can also afford to take their time with him. This mm. isn't a case and Yuki like... Su- where you- Yuki Tsunoda is walking, breathing proof that maybe you shouldn't bring your hyped-up prospect into F1 too soon. It, it was a different scenario. And by the way, I am so I am so looking forward to Yuki Tsunoda's second half-hot streak. Yeah, that's, that's also the point I'm surprised about with, you know, Honda leaving that they decided to retain Tsunoda. On that, mm. you know, side of things that well, Honda is leaving. However, yeah. they are still on, producing and developing the engines entirely at Honda for next year. And I know this right. season so, hasn't been good, but mm. I'm still sick of my guns that Yuki Tsunoda is probably the best raw talent the Rebels brought up since they brought up Verstappen, and he can win multiple races if he realizes potential over the next half of this season. If he stops going balls to the wall in Q1 when he has debatably, like, the fifth fastest car in the sport. Yeah, Mm. and I'd also say, because of the regulation change and how different the cars are likely to handle next year, and the fact that no one has experience with the way these cars handle... It's pretty much a blank slate. If you're good at driving, you're going to excel next year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of, kind of open it, and he's open. He's opening. Right. Okay. That'll just about do it for this episode. Next week, we got a we got a busy one, folks. We have the Formula One Italian Grand Prix at Monza. And guess what, gang? It's a sprint qualifying weekend as well. Aren't it's you all so excited? Don't all rush in at once. Uh, Robert no. Kubitz is back, and Yay! just his Robert Kubitz is back, and just his luck that he finally gets a race seat at Alfa Romeo as they're trending behind Williams. Of course, ah! it's not even the most unfortunate thing that's happened in this last thirty days. I know it's terrible. Get well soon, Kimmy. Um, yeah, exactly. Get well soon, Kimmy. Um, but yes, Kubitz Kubitz is back for that one. We have MotoGP this weekend at Aragon. Lovely track. One of my favorite races on the year. Can't wait for that one. Maybe one for Mark Marquez. He could potentially win this one. He does love Aragon. It is anti-clockwise. It is uh, anti-clockwise track. Mark Marquez, say no more, fam. Mm -hmm. Could be one to keep an eye on. It could be a second one of the year. keeps the red mist out. He's hoping. And hey, IndyCar's back this weekend as well as we go down next season closing stretch. We have Portland this weekend. First time we've been there in a couple of years due to the pandemic. But yes, Portland for IndyCar this weekend. So we've got a stacked weekend of motorsport on this one. We'll be talking about it all on next week's show. But until then, basically you can find us real quick. We're on YouTube.com forward slash motorsport 101, Facebook.com forward slash motorsport 101, Twitter 
and Motorsport underscore 101. Our personal handles at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, at Ryan Eric King, at Buckley 917 at Motorsport101Pod for our Instagram page. Um, on our website, Motorsport101.com, a bunch of written content from me over there on that one as well. And if you really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Motorsport101. Five bucks gets you early access to all of our audio, ten for the video versions, and live recordings as well. Until next time, I've been Dre Harrison, they've been RJ O'Connell, Ryan Eric King, and Cam Buckley. Until then, Adafidurchi. Later, y'all! Bye! So what King's saying is give Antonio Giovinazzi the Cam Newton contract? Oh. Yes. Does that make does that make Teo Porcher the new Mac Jones? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs>